The Mayor's Office of Arts and Culture would like to welcome you to the Boston Air Podcast, where you can learn about our artists and residents and their collaborations throughout the year with city partners. I'm Veronica Wells, and in today's episode, we'll hear from one of the artists of this year's cohort, Anthony Romero and his city partner, Cara Leon of the Mayor's Office of Immigrant Advancement, Gabriela Cartagena from City Life Vida Urbana, and Rita Lara and Kaylee Aguilar from Maverick Landing Community Services. They'll be talking about the accessible housing support and defense stations they've worked together to develop in partnership with community organizers, grassroots organizations, the New Law Lab at Northeastern University School of Law, and the Lit Lab at Suffolk University School of Law. First, let's meet our guests. I'm Rita and um, I'm the um, executive director to Maverick Landing Community Services. And, uh, you know, we're in the heart of a mixed income housing community and we're essentially a multi-service organization. I'm Kaylee Aguilar. I work at Maverick Landing Community Services. Um, I'm an EC resident. My name is Gabriela. I am a community organizer with City Life Urbana, which is a 46-year-old housing justice nonprofit. My name is Carol Leon. I am the programs manager at the Mayor's Office for Immigrant Advancement, the office at the City of Boston that works with immigrant communities. My name is Anthony Romero, and I'm a Boston artist in residence. Carol and Anthony, what were your goals at the beginning of the residency, and what led to the support stations being developed? At the very beginning of the partnership, I thought that it was a really good idea for us to have continuous check-ins every week to start to really develop um, an idea for a project that he would be working on. And a lot of those conversations involved conversations about the challenges that we were seeing the community was facing. Um, and there were many, many challenges. And I think that that's something that specifically me and my role at the Office for Immigrant Advancement, working with immigrant communities, uh, I was constantly thinking about like how we could work together to make sure that we were supporting the work that we're doing and supporting the communities that we're working with. A lot of that time in the beginning was really built around understanding the data that was coming in around the disproportionate health and economic impacts of the pandemic on Boston's immigrant communities. And I mean that, you know, that, that a lot of that data was really, um, was painting really specific pictures about what was happening in some of the neighborhoods. It was like, this is how the Haitian community is being affected in this neighborhood. This is their primary um, you know, mode of employment. This is how that primary mode of employment is being affected. This is how it intersects with this. You know, it's, it was very specific to each of the communities. So it was a very different, you know, certainly is a different experience and, and one that I, you know, I, I can't, disentangle from the pandemic. Like I couldn't even imagine what might've emerged or what this experience would have been like otherwise, but, um, but I, you know, and so much of the work that we were doing, that we are doing has been driven by being responsive to those, um, to those impacts of the pandemic on immigrant communities, specifically related to housing, because it became clear after several months that housing was gonna be this this kind of nexus point where you could see, you know, multiple things intersect. So like, let's, you know, to, to play out a kind of scenario is like, well, maybe you're out of work temporarily or for unforeseeable future, or you have a job that puts you at higher risk. Well, now you're living in a, in a small unit and your landlord, you know, and, and now, and you're running behind on rent and it becomes uh, even more precarious. 
and all of that happening in the midst of a a, a year in which you you can't go anywhere else <laughs> you know like you literally your your mobility is restricted so boston housing support station was really kind of born out of all of that thinking and is a project which is rooted in giving people greater access to housing justice through technology it this project by contrast is driven so much less by like the artistic intervention or the aesthetics right like um and much more about like thinking creatively about how to organize or utilize resources to to support really like what is essentially a kind of emergency response you know needed in a community who are the partners involved in this project boston housing support stations is a coalition of um, partners from various community organizations, including Maverick Landing Community Services, Easty Mutual Aid, City Life Vida Urbana, as well as uh, partners from several of the law schools in town, including um, the new Law Lab, which is an interdisciplinary innovation legal design laboratory at Northeastern School of Law, and are an essential partner in the project. Um, as well as the Suffolk Law School Lit Lab, which is another innovation lab uh, at Suffolk School of Law, who in particular have, have been instrumental in the MADE platform, which is the Massachusetts Defense Against Eviction platform, which is uh, an online um, website. It's a website that you can visit to fill out your, your eviction paperwork. Why are these housing support stations important? Imagine, right, you're going through food security a few times a week. Imagine you don't know if you have a house to be in. Imagine the kind of trauma of that, the kind of pain, the anguish, the fear. And now, and now go online and fill out this 15-page questionnaire. <laughs> Attach A, B, C, D, and E. I mean, you, you know, that's just impossible. Like, these are, these are people. <laughs> And they need help, right? You know, it's really important to sort of be there for people fundamentally. Like, what kind of world do we want to live in? <laughs> one that helps people when they need it. We're providing one-on-one -on -one support, you know, with, with uh, we're providing one-on-one -on -one support where someone can receive that support with a human being, with someone else from the community to help them fill out the application. And the housing defense station is, is really important because you know, through that station, we're also able to provide like stipend work for community members who have faced that financial impact during the pandemic, who've lost hours themselves, right? And, and they've been enabled, they're being empowered enough, and they're being empowered currently more to, to feel comfortable enough to help other community members, right, fill out those very applications that they once struggled with or that they couldn't obtain because their landlords still aren't being cooperative. With, with those very rent relief applications, the same rent relief applications. How many support stations are there and how do they work? We have two in operation right now at the Maverick Landing Community Center. Maverick Landing um, has been a, a, a wonderful partner and are, um, have really been instrumental in helping us build out the infrastructure for the project. So. You know, the way it works is you access the website, you're able to make an appointment. There's a little bit of an intake process to identify um, what resources to locate people next to. And when we find, you know, residents that need access to the technology and some guidance with the applications, 
Then we're able to set up an appointment at Maverick Landing. They're able to use the computer stations and work with the volunteer to say, fill out their, you know, rental assistance application or, or whatever the, the paperwork may be. We worked slowly and deliberately for several months, for many months, to ensure that we would have an infrastructure in place. Um, and now it seems to be working quite well. There are folks who are regularly using the station and we're also trying to figure out other ways to develop the project so that folks have access to you know, uh, webinars and virtual trainings on applications. And we're working really closely with Eastie Mutual Aid to support their volunteers who are then able to train other volunteers and really keep the, the work that we're doing in East Boston at the moment community-led and community-driven. Um, and, and, you know, the way that I think about it from my perspective is to utilize those resources and the privilege and the access that I have through the residency at the city to sustain the work, you know, to, to, to make it possible for them to be more resourced um, and for that work to be more sustainable by, um, you know, by, by giving them money, but also giving them access to, to other resources and technology that they might need. Kaylee, what has been your experience working at the support stations and what are the reactions of community members? You know, as an EC resident, um, I know that, you know, my community wants to stay here. You know, they have been living here for decades and like now just because, you know, they, they're working three jobs and they can't, they can't support their family here. They're moving to different cities and, you know, this is what they've known. This is like the tight knit community they've grown up in. Um, so yeah, so supporting them has been has been rewarding, and the 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 feedback has been you know it, it's vice versa. It's supportive on both ends. We have community members here from Maverick that want to help out and are donating some of their time um, to come and help us out over here. What was the takeaway in developing this project? I learned during this process is the importance of you know cross collaboration within the community across the city, across resources across the city. None of this would have been possible if an artist didn't get creative with how to use their funds for our installation to, you know, to invest back into the community, creatively speaking, right? To create this design, right? And, and you know, this would have never happened if it wasn't for that creative thinking and for this cross collaboration across community organizations, um, university institutions, and 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 you know, and government institutions. If anything, I think what I've learned is that um, that the people have the capacity to do amazing and beautiful work together, and that what those of us who have access to resources and uh, and privileges and institutional voices, you know, that it is our responsibility really in, in many ways to, to ensure that they, that the people have what they need in order to continue to do that work. And, and the vision was always to sort of make, have it be really like a community led project, because in some ways in my mind, that's probably the most sustainable, right? A community led project is always going to be putting community first. <laughs> Um, and, and I think that's a really important aspect to this. Um, and so I would say I've grown and I think we've all grown in our, in our level of responsiveness 
and really, um, you know, level of, uh, of accountability to, to sort of really be real about meeting the needs and just figuring it out. I mean, we went into this, we didn't really have funding. I was a little worried, <laughs> but you just sort of, I mean, that's really been the whole pandemic, right? Just respond and the steps will appear. <laughs> and so I, in general, I have a, a, a general sense of comfort around that now that if you respond and do the work that needs to be done, it, you know, it will fall into place. Um, or at least I hope, you know, I do think it's going to require that we hold systems uh, accountable, that we continue to hold them accountable to properly resourcing community. Um, and that we, you know, sustain the work that's been done to kind of pressure those systems to remain responsive. Carol, how did your collaboration with Anthony impact your office practice at the Mayor's Office for Immigrant Advancement? The main mission of the office is to make sure that we are there to serve immigrant communities and that immigrant communities feel integrated into all different aspects of the life in the city of Boston. Um, and the other side of the work that we do is also ensuring that, you know, the city is also thinking of doing outreach and making sure that all the services are accessible to all immigrant communities. So one of the things that is really important to also consider is that there's a lot of different issues that affect immigrant communities. And um, of course, one of these big issues has been, you know, housing. There was a housing crisis even before the pandemic. And the pandemic really just um, worsened the situation, especially with this, you know, new wave of evictions that we were very, very much aware was coming, right? So working with Anthony, I think, has been really great because he has really given me a perspective, a more creative perspective on how to address some of these issues, right? And even in the conversations that I had with him during our check-ins, it was really great because some of the ideas that he had, I would also be able to bring back to my team and tell my team, hey, Anthony and I were talking about these. Um, maybe this is a different approach that we can utilize to, uh, to address the issues that we're seeing are affecting the communities that we're working with. So I think that a lot of these conversations that we had and even the project that he was working on um, directly and indirectly informed and supported the work that we do at the Office for Immigrant Advancement. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boston Air podcast. Visit boston.gov forward slash Boston Air to learn more about Anthony Romero's residency.